And I'm going to go through a lot this morning. I want to, I want to finalize this prayer concept for us. I mean, I could preach for a year, every single service on the subject of prayer and just touch the surface of the depth of value that there is in prayer. As I continue to study and look and prepare, it's just more and more and more insight into prayer. How much value there is, how much power and purpose there is, how much authority there is that's, that's available to us as we pray. The church must become a praying church. Paul said that, that, that he didn't come preaching the, the, the words of men's wisdom, but he came that you might understand God and have an understanding of him in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Church, we need the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in our services. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Amen. And so just beginning, we started with our master text is Ephesians 6, 18. Turn over there with me. You, hopefully you'll be able to memorize this. This will be a knowledge to you. And uh, again, I'm going to teach and, you know, I can't help sometimes get to preaching, but I just feel like we need to em emphasize some points today uh, that maybe you've heard before, but some plant, some water and God reaps the harvest. Look at somebody say some plant, some, plant. some water, some but God reaps the harvest. So you're never mad when somebody's planting and you're never upset when they're watering. Somebody ought to say amen. How many know there's nothing wrong with watering? Look at somebody and say, I like to get water. Like to get water. Amen. You like to get water. There's nothing wrong with that. So you're going to get both. And who gets the harvest? God does. Ephesians 6, 18 says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now we know that we're to pray always. I've gone through a lot. You can get the CDs. Most of you have. If you're a worker here at the church, you get an automatic download of the messages from Sunday morning on your phone and other times. And so you should have these things and you need to listen to them over and over and over again. But in going through this, I want to start with the concept that you'll, that just to just boil it all together. How does prayer work? What are the principles of prayer that make prayer work for our life? How, how valuable is prayer and what can it do? And so we're finalizing this, this, this group of messages. The first thing that you and I have to understand when we talk about prayer is that God is a covenant-keeping God. You and I ought to be glad about that. Somebody ought to say amen right there. Just say amen. God is a covenant-keeping God. Covenants are important things in the Bible because they are descriptions of how God interacts with mankind. It's God, it's, it's a, it is more than a promise. It is a dedication and a commitment on God's side that he'll never violate. God does not violate his principles. When God said, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. He will never, ever change his mind. There'll never be a moment that a person demonstrating those uh, things by the Holy Spirit and following through that God will not do exactly what he said. And he will set you free, save you and deliver you because he has committed to it. He is dedicated to it and he will never, ever, ever change. How many are glad God doesn't ever change? You know, so it says this in Psalms 89, 34. It says, my covenant, I will not break. I will not break it, not alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God will never break his covenant. He will never go aside from what he has promised to us. His word is a guarantee. It is a yes and an amen. How many know there are no maybes in God? You know, when we used to pray when I was a kid, they'd say, God has yes, no, and maybe. He don't have a maybe. 
Somebody ought to say amen. He said, my promises are yes and amen. He's a covenant keeping God. He keeps his word. Boy, if all of us could just come to the point that we realize how important that just that statement is. It might not seem like much to you, but it is of such value for you to understand that if God has covenanted with us, if he has made a connection with us and gave us things that will he will do about what we do, then we are guaranteed that no matter what, we're going to receive them. And he never, ever changes his mind. I, I don't think I got enough shouting. People, you just didn't respond well enough on that. He'll never change his mind. Look at your neighbor and say, God never changes his mind. He keeps his covenant. When we get it right in prayer. When we get it right in prayer, then we know that we're going to receive from the Lord. It leads to lifelong benefits, lifelong outcomes. Prayer brings us lifelong outcomes. You ought to write that down. Prayer brings lifelong outcomes. Not just one day, not just one hour, not just one minute, but lifelong outcomes. You know, just think about the things that you prayed about in your life. And it might be a small thing to some, but it turned out to be an extremely big thing to you. One decision, one challenge, one, one situation that God turned around, no matter how big or small it was, made a massive impact on the life of, on your entire life, on your family's life, on your children's life, on your spouse's life. It makes a massive impact on your life. Prayer makes massive impact. So when we get prayer right, when we get prayer right, we make lifelong impact. Not enough shouting right there. That's right, Pastor Steve. Just shout that out. That's right, Pastor Steve. Lifelong impact. Prayer makes lifelong impacts. And so, looking at James 4, 1 through 3, it says this. From whence come wars? This would be getting it wrong. We get it right when we come to the Lord through our spirit. But what about getting it wrong when we get prayer wrong? He says, from whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask not. He says, these are the reasons these things occur. Then he goes on and says this, you ask and you receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own lust. In other words, there's a right way to pray, and there's a wrong way to pray. Look at somebody say, there's a wrong way to pray. We need to get it right. Look at somebody say, get it right. right. Lifelong outcome. Getting prayer right means lifelong outcome. Life-changing outcome. Life-expressing outcome. And so when he says there, he says you get it wrong. He says you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. It means you got it wrong. He's saying you can ask wrongly or improperly. You can ask in a way that won't bring the things that you need to your life. You can speak things into a place in your life that I've not spoken. You can say things and do things that won't commit me to do what you want me to do. Because I'm only committed to my covenant. And so you got it wrong. You messed up. But we ought to have the right kind of prayer. There's a prayer that commits God to hear us. There's a prayer that commits him to doing his word in our life. If we ask anything according to his rules and properly present things to God correctly, we can know. Look at somebody say, you can know. Prayer is a lifelong outcome. It changes us forever. 
If you haven't grasped this in this month of teaching on prayer, then you have missed your opportunity. You missed your moment to understand the value of a praying church, the value of a praying saint, somebody that's understood the concepts and the principles of prayer. You ought to look at somebody and say, I'm going to get this prayer thing. Come on, look at somebody and say, I'm going to get this prayer thing. I mean, you got to get it. You got to get the understanding. There's no mamby pamby time here. You got to get serious about prayer because it's life changing, life altering, and we got to get it right. We can't ask the miss. It's not just talking about that you had the wrong heart in prayer. It's talking about you didn't ask correctly. You didn't do it according to the rules. You didn't follow the plan of God. You didn't commit God to anything because you didn't pray with God's commitment. Somebody else say amen. So here it is in 1 John 5, 14. It says this, and this is the confidence, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask of him, we know that we have the petitions we've desired of the Lord. Look at somebody and say, you can know. There's a, let me tell you, when I go to pray, there is a knowing. There is just a knowing. There is a knowing. There is a knowing. I just, when I, I listen, I pray till I get my knowing. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. If you've never prayed to you got a knowing, you got some praying to do. You got to learn to pray and not pray amiss. You know, just things that come along. I love to demonstrate to the church and explain things to the church and demonstrate with life what happens. You know, Wednesday morning I was praying and the Spirit of God came on me in my prayer meeting. And I sent something I needed to pray about, about a situation. I told the group about the situation. And I even explained this Wednesday night how God did this. But there was a situation where I wanted to uh, communicate with somebody. And I couldn't get the communication done because of something that was in the way. And we prayed and agreed together on Wednesday morning about this situation. And when I got back to my office about an hour later, I got a text message from the person I needed to contact that would not contact me. And because of the barrier that was between us, the Lord opened the barrier, reduced the, the, the condition, and opened that communication between me and the individual. But it happened because I knew. I knew. I could pray until I know. You can pray until you know. Old saints of God used to say it this way. Don't pray until you know. You know, they say things like suck the carpet. Anybody ever heard suck the carpet? Don't suck the carpet. Amen. I don't know what's in that carpet. Amen. Don't suck. The... But listen to me. You can pray till you know. Here's what he said. He said, you can pray in my name. And if you ask anything according to my will, you'll know that I heard you. And if you know that I heard you, then you can know that you have the desires of the Lord. We can pray correctly. We can pray appropriately. And we can commit God to live up to his promise to us that he was committed to in his covenant relationship. He's committed to it. How do I do that then? Then I want to go back through the eight fundamental keys to prayer. You should write these down. If you have them written down, I want you to get them out again. We'll touch them again. I mean, over the years, I'm certain I've preached this before and I've gone through this, but I feel led to cover this today to deal with this one more time and see if we can't go up another side of the mountain. How many know you can go up different sides of the mountain? And so that's what we're going to do today. So write this down as point number one. First of all, the first fundamental key to prayer is this. We must pray from our heart. We must pray from our heart. Look at somebody and say, you've got to pray from your heart. You know, 
I'm going to ask you to do that again. And I'm going to ask everybody to participate. We'll be gone in 30 minutes. And then you won't have to listen to me the rest of the day. <laughs> Till then, I want you to do what I said. As embarrassing as it is. If you didn't brush your teeth, put your hand over your mouth. <laughs> Amen. But I want you to look towards somebody. And I want you to say that. We must pray <laughs> from our heart. First Samuel says this, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I refused him. For the Lord sees not a man as a man sees. Aren't you glad God doesn't see as man sees? God doesn't see as a man sees. For man looks on the outward spaces or the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Somebody ought to say amen. God looks at the heart. God sees these things. He is a spirit engaging God. God wants us to pray from the center of our heart. He wants to pray. That's what he says. The fervent effectual prayers of righteous men and women avail much. He's talking about praying out of our heart. The spirit must be engaged in the prayer that we make to God. And God hears that prayer. He hears heartfelt prayers. Amen. He hears heartfelt prayer. That's why when I was with this lady, I knew the difference between, well, I hope I get healed and where she really wanted to go. Stuff had gotten to the point in her life. Stuff had gotten to the point in her health where she just came to the point that it was just better to be gone than to be on the planet. And she decided it's time for me to go. When she said help, she really meant that. Somebody ought to say amen. She really meant that. You know, most of the time when we're dealing with people who are going through the illnesses or whatever it may be as we get older, body starts to, you know, transform and change because of gravity or whatever it is. And, and so as we go through these things, we're very sorrowful and we're very, very selfish. We want the outcome to be the outcome we want the outcome to be. We want our outcome. We want it to turn out the way we want it to turn out. And we get disappointed when things don't quite turn out the way we think they ought to turn out. But I've never been in the position of that lady. I've never experienced what she was experiencing. They had no explanations for where she was at. Nobody could tell us why she was sick. They couldn't describe the sickness that she had. They tested all kinds of stuff and there was nothing to describe what was going on. When asked, what do you want to do? And, and, and they'd say to the doctor, well, what are you going to do? They said, well, we'll put this breathing treatment on. Will it help? We don't know. They said, well, we'll do this. We'll put this on her. Will that help? We don't know. Because they had no idea. Well, I could tell you, I'm just telling you, she had another place in mind. And sometimes you and I have to come to the mind and the understanding. Some people have come to a place that it does not matter to them whether they're here or whether they're not. I don't know why I'm saying that. I think we get too thick-headed sometimes. And we get so, I mean, we want people to stay. And we want them to be here. And we want them to survive. But maybe they are not as conditioned and committed as you are to their survival. Nobody shouted right there. Have you ever talked to somebody and you were with them and you just knew that they weren't thinking like you were thinking? You had faith. You believed God. You totally believed God. Have you ever been there? You really, really believed God. I don't know why I'm back here. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> you really believe in God. You got it under control. And you don't understand why nothing's happening. And then you go talk to them and, well, well, I'm not really sure about blah, blah, blah. Well, I hope it works out. They're not where you are. They haven't received the revelation you received. They're not standing there where you're standing. And at some point in that situation, all of us will come to a point where the decision will have been. Paul said, I would rather, 
I would rather go to be with God, but I've chosen to stay. He understood that had he wanted to go to heaven, he could have closed the book on earth. Nobody shouted loud enough on that. If you're not careful, you can close the book on earth. He said, with long life, I'm going to satisfy you. While I'm talking on that, you know, you just got to follow the Holy Ghost. With long life, I'll satisfy you. With long life, I'll satisfy you. I don't know what that is for me. I don't know what that is for you. But don't put no number on it for me because I don't know what that is. I'm going as long as I can go. As long as I'm satisfied, I'm going to be on the planet. I'm going to be enjoying my family. I'm going to be enjoying my church. And when I'm satisfied, I'm going to be enjoying heaven. I'm going to leave this planet and I'm going to head out of this place. But you know, that's not just talking about your physical life. That's talking about all the other things in your life. When you become satisfied with your financial condition, you'll keep your satisfied condition. When you become satisfied with where you are in your health, you will keep your health condition. When you become satisfied with where your family relationship is, you'll be satisfied there. And he said he'll give you long life. Life ends when satisfaction ends. When you are satisfied, when you become satisfied with where you are, when you're satisfied with the position you're in, when you're satisfied with your economy, when you're satisfied with your job situation, I mean, you can tell us whatever you want to, but he said, with long life, I'm going to satisfy you. He'll give life to anything that has conditions ahead of it. When all you have is satisfying you, that he has finished what he can do in your life. I preached a whole lot. I could end the sermon right there. Because if you don't understand, there has to become a dissatisfaction on the inside. You've got to be dissatisfied with where you are. Dissatisfied with your condition. Dissatisfied. You've got to be, I mean, if it's just a little bit, somewhere you've got to be dissatisfied. Because at the moment you reach satisfaction, with long life, I'll satisfy you. He'll extend as far as he can on the life and satisfaction in your life. You have to come to a point where you say, I want more than what I have right now. I want things better than the way they are right now. I want more in my life than I have right now. This is what prayer is all about. Prayer takes the dissatisfaction and moves God into a position where he honors his word and satisfies us with greater things and supplies us. I'm preaching so good right now. Oh, I'm preaching so good. If you could just get what I'm talking about. I'm not satisfied. My kids may not understand why why I'm always on edge. And I mean in a good way. It's not a bad way. Sometimes it's bad. Most of the time it's good. They're great. I tell you right now, I believe my kids are the top in their class. I believe it. Brian can sit right here and he knows this is true. I believe he's the top in his class. I believe that he can be the valedictorian of his school. I believe he can go to any college he wants to go to. I believe that. And I will not be satisfied until he comes to the place. I'm not saying he's got to reach my place. I'm not trying to, exp- I'm not trying to say that to you. What I'm trying to say to you is, is I'm saying, God, I know you can put more in that kid. I know you can do more with that kid. I know there's a further place for that child. I know, Lord, I believe, I believe, I'm not satisfied with just getting by. I'm not satisfied with it's just enough. I'm not satisfied with they got a job. I'm not, I want more. I see more. I believe for more. And so I tell them in the house, God has more 
for you. God wants more for you. God desires more for you. God will take you home. God will do more. Not a day rest. Not a moment rest. Not a minute rest. Because sometimes it's not what you said. It's what you didn't say. I may as well take a few moments while I'm on this. Some folks have said some stuff, but some of us have never said what we need to say to get us to where God wants us to go. We kept our mouths shut. We kept our heart bound. We kept our lips sealed. And we never said, God, you've got more. There's more financial blessing for me. There's more help waiting on me. There's more deliverance around the corner. God, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to declare the Lord. It may look like to everybody else. Everything in your house may say it's never going to work. But just keep talking. Keep saying. Keep speaking. Keep confessing. Keep believing. Stand up. Keep standing. Stand up higher. Go deeper. Move with God. I'm not shut up. Oh, somebody got to shout right there. Go ahead, praise him a little bit. What are you speaking? What are you saying? What are you confessing? What's your confession? I'm already praying for Brian's wife. I'm praying for Stephen's wife. I'm praying for Emily's husband. I'm already out there hit up. I'm finding them out in the wilderness. I know God's got the perfect wife for this kid. I know God's got exactly what she needs, what he needs. And I tell you now, not only am I praying for them to develop, but I'm asking God to make him everything he needs to be. So that when he finds that girl, and when he walks into that relationship, that he's not walking in blind, deaf and dumb, but God's got him ready, got him prepared. And when he walks in there, they'll know each other, know by the Holy Ghost. Y'all might want to keep your mouth shut, but I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. He said, you'll speak under that mountain and say under that mountain, be thou removed, plucked up and cast in the sea. And if you won't doubt what you said, but you believe what you said, you shall have what you said. And when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray, believe you receive it, and you'll have it. And when you pray, believe you receive it, and you have it. I pray every day over my wife and I. I seek God make me a better husband. Give me more help to do a better job. God help me to be better to my family. Let me be a better dad. Let me, and then God fill my house with your Holy Spirit. I've seen a lot of people have something to say. But it's sometimes what you won't say. It's sometimes what you won't commit to. When you won't commit God to his covenant, you will never have his covenant. Who's the panel? 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 Who
Hallelujah. Just put your hands up. Put your hands up. I'm believing you're going to get in your cars and drive down the road. Get in your kitchens and walk out onto your jobs. Go to your schools. I'm believing you're going to start speaking God's word over your future. You're going to start calling those things that be not as though they were. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Calling those things that be not as though they were. He said to call those things. He called those things that be not as though they were. Some of you have a whole lot of be not, but you ain't got to know they were. If you could only get the they were part. If you could only start talking to yourself and from mating to your relationship. And stop. I'm just believing you're going to get it. There's nothing deniable to you. There's nothing that stands in your way. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible to him that believes. And nothing shall be impossible when you do it the right way. When you do it the right way. I'm going to let him work a minute. I sense he's working in the room. He's working in this crowd right now. He's working in you. You don't have to keep that sickness. You don't have to have that disease. You don't have to have that malady. You don't have to remain in that condition. You don't have to be broken down. You don't have to be depressed and turned around. You don't have to. You don't have to go that route. Listen. There are people that don't understand. They don't understand. They think they have to end their life because they don't understand that life is ahead of them. They don't understand that what they're going through is temporary. The Bible says these light afflictions are but for a season. But the Lord will deliver us. He'll deliver us from them all. It's not a heavy affliction. What you're going through is not that heavy. It's not that bad. It's just an attack of the devil. It's all about where your mind is. But you're not a mind. You're a spirit. And that's why he said we can speak out of our spirit. You better stop listening to your brain and start listening to your heart. When you start letting your heart talk, we'll turn your brain off. And you can make it. You're going to survive. You're going to overcome. You're going to go to the next level. There's another place for you. There's a definition you haven't met yet. There's another story. God wants to rewrite your life. He wants to put you in the pleasant, in a pleasant place. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Right there where you're sitting. I'm preaching about opening up your mouth. And I look around and I see people look like they're depressed. They look like they're down and discouraged. Then you need to stop being so down. You need to stop being so discouraged. You need to stop letting the guy who talked about you and the friend who let you down and the fellow that did you wrong and the person that turned you out and this, that, and the other. You've got a God who is for you. And if God be for you, then it does not matter who's against you. Somebody ought to just shout out, God is for me. And if God's for me, it really does not matter who's against me. It doesn't matter where I've come from. It don't matter who they did what to. God said he's for me. I tell you now, if God is for me, then it really just does not matter. It does not matter what somebody else did, what somebody else said. It's just for you.
Christian.